Well, Merry Christmas. Y'all doing all right? Man, this is service number three, so we got to go out with a bang. Does that sound like a deal? All right. So we have had an amazing, amazing day. It has been awesome to meet a lot of guests and just celebrate the birth of Jesus together. Um, if you're a parent of little ones, you know this is like the calm before the storm, right? Um, and I, I just love Christmas, and I know there's a lot of, I don't know if your life is like mine, but up until today, there's like a lot of case, uh, craziness that ensues, right? It's, you know, maybe it started for us. I was the crazy person that before Thanksgiving decorated the outside of our house. And all of you judgmental people, you know, said, that's too early. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So we did that. Maybe you've decorated the inside of your house. You got the tree decorated, the presents wrapped, all those things. You got family coming over, or maybe you're traveling. Uh, today, believe it or not, I wasn't at home, you know, praying for the service. We were scrubbing bathrooms and uh, vacuuming and all those things because family's coming in town. But as a kid, you don't think about those things, right? As a kid, it is all about your Christmas list and the night, just trying to sleep, and your parents saying, go to bed, and all those things. And I'm probably going to date myself a little bit. So if you're over 35, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. But growing up, my parents always gave um, us, me and my brother, a special, it always come around Christmas time, or I guess probably Thanksgiving, a service merchandise catalog. Do y'all remember this? Some of you are like, no, I have no clue. If you don't know what service merchandise is, I don't know really how to explain it, but like a Target on steroids, I'm not sure. Um, but they used to, like, you, they would mail you, or you could pick up at the store, this like thick catalog. I mean, it's like thick. And there's like home goods and toys and all that stuff. And my parents would give it to me and my brother and say, circle what you want, what your Christmas list is. And it's interesting, if you're a parent, you know this, it's interesting of how our kids, now that I'm a parent, what they want for Christmas and how it's different. Like our oldest, he says in seventh grade, he's like, I just want clothes. Just get me clothes. I'm like, okay, socks and underwear it is, all right? And no, just get me clothes. Our middle son it's like, he's just so chill and laid back. He's like, um, whatever, whatever you want to give me. And so we remind him, it's because you have everything you need, you little brat. Okay, no, just kidding, just kidding, try, try have it. Uh, you know, but he's so down to earth and like whatever. And then Noah, our youngest, it's so funny because he has the world's longest Christmas list. Um, I mean, he is always like, I mean, like yesterday he was saying, out for Christmas, I want my, the North Pole is closed, buddy. Um, and, and he's our kid that like January 1, the list will start for next Christmas. He'll be like somewhere, I want that for Christmas next year. I'm thinking, oh my word, you know, it, 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 there's a lot, a lot of things. But if I had to confess, I don't know if you feel this way, but as a parent, well, um, well, I want them to have things that they want. Uh, I think the, buying the Christmas presents is more about me than it is about them. And when I say I love their reaction. I love the reaction. And so I love when they wake up Christmas morning and they're like, oh, wow, you know. Like, think about this, parents. I mean, we worked hard all year and have anticipated this time. And on Christmas Day, like, I want results from my kids, right? Like, I want like, ah, and like screaming and yelling and tears. Oh, this is so, this is the best Christmas ever. I want them like running around the house like they caught the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? Like, ah, you know, just running around. We want that because there's nothing worse than as a parent, they're like, that's it, you know? Or they're like, I didn't want that. 
you know. Um, and so we want that thing. And so because of that, we go to great lengths, don't we, to buy. And maybe it's just for our spouse, too. We want that reaction from our spouse that we go to great lengths to get the perfect gift, right? We'll spend a little bit more money than what we had budgeted. We'll, we'll um, go and tackle Woodruff Road at the last minute. Some of you are guilty of that today. Okay, God bless you. All right. Um, hopefully you prayed. Um, but you'll do that. Some of us, you know, at some point in time, we went to Walmart at midnight, right? We stayed up. We had to get that present because it was, it was starting then or whatever the case may be. By the way, have you ever been to Walmart after midnight? I mean, it's like a casting call for Ripley's Believe It or Not, okay? I really do. They should, like, cover, you know, start charging a cover charge because it's crazy. That's like peoplewalmart.com. But we, we do all these crazy things to get this perfect gift. Now, think about this with me. The first Christmas ever, a long time ago, God, the creator of the universe, went to great lengths to provide the most awesome, ultimate gift for you and me. The gift that was, was meant to capture our hearts, to bring a sense of awe, to bring this excitement that's like, oh my goodness, this changes our life. I need to tell everybody about this gift. And that gift, think about this, it didn't come wrapped like everybody thought. It wasn't like in this pretty little box with a bow on it. Sometimes as the gift came, people dismissed it, said it's too good to be true. The same is true of this gift then as it is now that people say, hey, I just don't really believe that gift. I don't think I even really need that gift. But we're here tonight to celebrate the greatest gift that we could ever receive as man and woman, as children, and that's Jesus. That's why we're here tonight. Not to sing some great carols and the beauty of a candlelit service, but to celebrate Jesus, the most significant life ever lived on this earth. And I love what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 9, 700 years before Jesus was, any bo uh, was ever born, 700 years Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Think about that, for you and for me, and I don't know if you ever thought about Jesus being this incredible gift. Over 40 times in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as a gift. And so this evening, let us together look into uh, Luke chapter 2 at a familiar story, obviously the Christmas story, and, and to really look and to pull out how can we respond. Think about this. I really want you to wrestle with this. How can we respond to this great gift? How are you, if you were to evaluate your life right now, how does your life reflect how you're responding to Jesus, this incredible gift? So let's read this together. If you have your Bibles, we're in Luke 2. It'll also be on the screens for you to follow along. My wife beautifully read this earlier, so much better than I, I can and, and will. But it says this, Luke says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. It's a census. And this is the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, let me kind of fun fact here. Caesar Augustus, that wasn't really his name. You know, some people think like Jesus Christ, like it was like first name Jesus, last name Christ. That's not true, okay? Caesar Augustus, Augustus is actually the title that was usually reserved for Roman gods and goddesses. It actually translates as, the, uh, as holy or reverend. And the Roman world gave Caesar this title 
as Augustus, really the first um, emperor or world leader to get this because he was looked at almost as a god because of his military strength. And so he's in charge, and he says, hey, we're going to have a, a census, and everybody needs to go home to their, their hometown and needs to check in, put your name in, and register in this. And so then we pick up in this story that Joseph, he went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. They were engaged. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Now, I think so often, I know I can be guilty of this, and I'm a pastor. So often we see this story, we hear it in Charlie Brown's Christmas, and we think it's, it's a cartoon, it's a fairy tale. But let's bring some reality to this. Now, think about this. If you've been here the last couple Sundays with us as a church, if you're, if you're a guest, I'll bring you up to speed. We've been talking through this. You have this moment where Mary is a teenager engaged to Joseph, and, and engagement culturally was they would spend about a year approximately engaged, but it was a legal uh, uh, contract, if you will. And so it was like husband and wife. They didn't, just didn't live together. And after a year, they would move in and start a family together. But at this time, an angel appears to Mary and says, Hey, I know you're a virgin, but you're going to carry the Son of God, this guy named Jesus. He's going to be a rescuer of sin and all people. She's like, How's this going to be? I'm a virgin. He's like, I'm going to, the Holy Spirit is going to do this. Could you imagine? Mary then goes to Joseph, who she's engaged. She's like, Hey, guess what? I'm pregnant with the Holy Spirit. She thinks he's crazy. And so it's not this like fairy tale princess beauty story. It's actually kind of messy. And it's reality. And then in this moment, they're together. Joseph decides, we saw this last week, not to divorce her because that would bring shame and all kind of uh, a bad reputation to Mary. He decides to be with her because an angel says, hey, what Mary's saying is true. And this is going to be Jesus. So they're together traveling to Bethlehem to register for this census. Now, let's think about this for a second. Mary is nine months pregnant. It says it, it was time for her to give birth. Now, think about this. Where they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 90 miles away. It's approximately like from here to Columbia. Now, could you imagine, ladies, no offense, if you're nine months pregnant, if you got in a car and drove from here to Columbia, that would be miserable, much less in this time walking or traveling. It's about a four-day journey at this time. So think about, I can imagine if I was Mary, she's like, I'm traveling over there. I'm nine months pregnant, you know? Like nowadays, it'd be like, doctor, say, stay off your feet. Don't do that. And, she, and she's like, I got to go where? And so she has to go. And it wasn't like she could just call an Uber, right? I mean, she had to travel. And I've never met a nine-month pregnant lady that said, you know what, let me get on a donkey, a camel, and let's travel for four days. It's not beautiful. And then on top of that, being a four-day journey means that she had to camp out. So there were nights where she was laying on the ground. And all of a sudden, so it's not this beautiful picture, but what is so awesome about the beauty of this is really the gospel, that God being high, and being the king of the universe comes through a child who is low to save people like you and me who are nobodies without Jesus. And so we get this picture that Luke is painting. And it came time for Jesus to be born. And it says, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. 
and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. I would be afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you, so for to you, and in this moment is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. What a familiar, beautiful story. And as we've been walking through this Christmas season as a church, we've answered some questions like why Mary and why Joseph? And so tonight I want to answer the question, why Jesus? Why did Jesus even have to come? Why, why was, what was the purpose of all this? And the first thing that we see in this story is that it's Jesus so that we can experience God's presence. Jesus is born so you and me can experience the presence of God. Now, up until the birth of Jesus, you have to understand, if you study the Old Testament, God was really confined to the tabernacle that we see in Exodus 19, where Moses, if you're familiar with him, he's leading the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the promised land. And they're in this wilderness time. They're complaining and all this. And they camp out at the foot of this mountain called Mount Sinai. And there, Moses is going up and down the mountain talking to God. This is where the Ten Commandments came. They usually show that movie around this time. It's usually like on TNT or something, you know, and they show it. Charleston Heston's Moses. That's pretty awesome, right? And so they, they, um, we see it, they camp out, and Moses is doing all this talking, and God says, hey, I want to come to my people and be with them. So Moses is excited. He comes down. He tells all the people, come out of camp. God shows up. He actually shows up through a pretty powerful storm and some wind. It actually scares the Israelites because they only see just a glimpse of him. And, and, and so they go back, and they're like, hey, Moses, we're good. Could you just mediate for us? And Moses sees a glimpse of God's presence. And after that, God enters into this covenant and says, hey, follow these things, and I want to come live with you, and you need to build a tabernacle just like this. And so what ends up happening, they build a tabernacle, and the presence of God comes and lives inside the tabernacle. But only a few people experience, really, the presence of God. But when Jesus is born, after many years of actually silence from God, God comes in, in flesh and blood, through Jesus, fully God and fully man, so that the people then and you and me now can experience the presence of God. And so while it, it seems in the Old Testament that God was distant and impersonal, get this, if you don't hear anything tonight, in this moment with the birth of Jesus, it's through Christ that God became personal. He came for you and me. He didn't come for just the people then. He came for you and me now and for our kids and our kids' kids and for all of humanity until Jesus returns. 
He came so that we could be in his presence and experience him, experience who he is, what he's all about, this personal relationship with him. So many religions all around the world are their God is a distant God or an angry God or someone that we have to go through somebody to be with. And Jesus says, I'm right here. I want to be with you. It's personal. The second thing that we see is Jesus comes into this family of nobodies from a nobody town and becomes personal. The second thing that we see that it's why Jesus, so that we can see God's glory. God comes, the sky opens up at the birth of Jesus. This angel comes and proclaims good news of great joy. And we see that this host of angels is singing. They are singing glory in the highest. How awesome this is. We get to see his glory. He wanted to reveal himself, his majesty, and how awesome and powerful he really is. Now, I don't know about you. Have you ever had like a moment in your life, maybe a bunch of moments, where you've experienced something? Maybe you traveled somewhere, you met someone, or you had something happen to you, and you tried to explain that to somebody because they weren't there. So you might show them a picture, you're giving all the details, and then at the end, you want them to be excited, but they're just not because they weren't there, right? They didn't experience it. Well, I thought this was fitting in some ways, um, at least it's, it's cute, but about eight years ago, we, uh, Sloan and I, surprised our boys uh, with a trip to Disney. So they had never been to Disney. And so we had told them, they were like all about, this is before Disney Plus, they were all about the Disney Channel and all, uh, you know, everybody on there. They were all about it, into it, all that kind of stuff. And we had told them, we did it one day, we're going to, and they were like, okay, all right, whatever. They see it on TV, but they don't really know, no. And so we lived in Nashville at the time, so we drove to Atlanta where we're going to fly out. And we got there, and we got them to bed, I guess it was about 11 or 11.30. And we had to wake them up, if I remember, like 3.15, okay, in the morning. So there's like barely any sleep. And we surprised them with uh, going on a plane and going to Disney World. And I want you to see this video, and I'll, I'll relate it in just a second. Check this out. Okay, it's 3.50 in the morning. Do you guys want to know? So you have two surprises today. The first surprise is we're going to fly on an airplane today. <laughs> we're going on an airplane. Do you want to go on an airplane? That's, that's our Okay, you want to know what else? We're taking that airplane and we're going to Disney World. Yeah, today we're going to Disney World. We're going to go see Woody and Buzz and Mickey Mouse. Mom, actually, I want to see Incredibles. You want to see the Incredibles? <laughs> Are you excited? Yes. Yay. That's your surprise. We're going to go on an airplane and go to Disney World. Let's get to the airplane now. Okay. Are you excited, Noah? Yeah, let's go now. I can't wait to see all the tiny cars. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're going to go see Mickey Mouse. Okay, don't worry. We've got snacks, okay? <laughs> no. All right, let the adventures begin. Disney 2013. 
<laughs> so I love that. Yeah. So I know I have a biased opinion. Those are my kids. Um, but it's Christmas Eve, and who doesn't like little kids on Christmas Eve, okay? It's cute. But here's why I show that. Because I love their reaction to something they've never experienced, and they get to experience it. And I love, if you, you see our kids, you know, Noah, our youngest, he's kind of in a world, he's a little young, he doesn't really get it, but two thumbs up right here, okay? I love that. But then, I don't know if you caught it, Zion, our oldest, he was in the middle. He was like, right, right now? Right? Like, we're going right now? And we're like, yeah. And then Triumphant, they're excited. I mean, Zion, he runs and goes to the door. He's, he's ready to get out. And then Triumphant, he's still this way. He's like our foodie. He's like, it's a long flight. We need some snacks. We need some snacks. And I'm like, I think it's like 45 minutes tops from like Atlanta to, to Orlando. But he was concerned about that. But I say all that because they were so excited to experience something that we had talked about over and over and over. They wanted to see it firsthand. Do we get that excited about Jesus? I'm not saying on Monday you come into work and you're like, Jesus, you know, and be some crazy looney tune. I'm not asking you to do that. But the glory of God and the celebration to even fathom that God brought himself to this earth through Jesus should excite us. It should change our life. And if we're believers and we're followers of Jesus, we shouldn't walk around this world as like zombies saying, my life stinks. Man, we have so much hope. We have so much joy because we get to see his glory through Jesus. It should excite us to say, right now, yes, right now we get to live for Jesus. And if you think about this, that with Jesus, we get to see him up close and personal in, in this story that he comes to this earth. And we see God's goodness wrapped in humanly form. We see God's grace seen in the likeness of man. We get to see God's forgiveness witnessed on his death on the cross and God's victory experienced three days later at the resurrection. That should excite us. That should be something that is worth celebrating. And we see that as the angels are proclaiming his glory. And, and in closing, we see third, it's Jesus so that we can know God's peace. Can you think about the shepherds in that moment? They're just mind their own business. They're at night. I mean, that's got to be pretty boring. I mean, how hard could it be to be a shepherd, right? It's like, go over there, sheep, you know. And they're sitting there at night. The sheep are probably laying down, going to sleep. Shepherds are just chilling, looking at the stars and the moon, and all of a sudden the sky opens up and an angel appears and says, hey, do not be afraid. I'll be afraid. And he says, I'm bringing you good news of great joy. And if one angel wasn't enough, then here comes a choir of heavenly hosts that comes in and starts to proclaim glory in the highest, peace on earth. Now you and I know this. You don't need me to tell you this. Our world doesn't promote peace. The world that we live in is broken because of sin. And because of sin, sin creates hostility. Hostility ultimately between us and God, also between each other. And we live in a world that hostility has got a chokehold on us. And so what ends up happening, because of a life of sin, we're angry people. We're divisive in nature and all those things. But because God came, he broke the wall of hostility. He came through Jesus as a great rescuer to save us from ourselves and to save us from sin and condemnation and to bring us into a relationship with God. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh 
the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And so while today, this evening, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we cannot forget the rest of the story, the life, the sinless life that he lived, the miracles that he performed, the lives that were radically changed, the lives that he touched to the outcast, the lowly, the hurting, the broken, then eventually leading him to, to be arrested, and to be crucified, and three days later, raising and conquering death, raising um, himself from the grave in that. That's our Savior. And that brings us peace. So right now, Christmas Eve 2021, think about this. God's speaking. And he's inviting you to experience his presence tonight. He's inviting you to see his glory to see his goodness, his forgiveness, his grace. It doesn't matter the shame or the guilt or the baggage or the past mistakes or even the future mistakes. He's saying, come to me. I want you to see my grace. And ultimately, he wants us to see his peace. He wants us to have peace, not temporary satisfaction, but this ultimate joy of who he is. He's inviting you to that tonight. So our band's gonna close us in a song of response. And maybe you just want to take this moment just to talk to God. Maybe it's been a while since you talked to God. Maybe you don't even want to be here. Use this time just to maybe call out to him and say, I don't know what's going on in my life, but I know I need some peace. I want you to give that to me. And if you don't want to talk to somebody, I'll be down here in the front. We're not going to do anything to embarrass you, but I would love to talk or pray. You can catch me after service. But let tonight be a, a marker for you spiritually for you to celebrate Jesus like never before. He's inviting you to the table and saying, be with me. And after the song, I'll come back up and we'll close in a celebration of um, candlelighting. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that we can worship you. We get so distracted in the busyness of the season and the busyness of our lives that we often make it, if not all the time, make it about ourselves. And as the ultimate gift, so many times we live as though we don't need you. We dismiss you from our lives. We try to handle it ourselves. But God, ultimately, you sent Jesus unto us as a child unto us so that we can experience your presence. You're Emmanuel, God with us. And that, Father, we can see your goodness that through Jesus we can see the sacrifice that you made as the ultimate gift to bring us awe and joy and to capture our hearts and ultimately to live a life of peace because of your son Jesus killing the dividing wall of hostility. And so, Father, I pray we lean into that this evening. And for the person that's here that doesn't have a relationship with you, Father, I pray that today, this evening, is that night. What an incredible time that they'll always remember Christmas Eve 2021 where they came to you. So, Father, as we sing this song, let it be a prayer of our hearts and a confession of our lips of who you are, Jesus, the name above all names. And it's in that name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.